America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. We have a disaster. What happens to those 29 people who are affected? The American people understand that Medicare for All expands Medicare. You like your current insurance, you will keep your current insurance. This was simply an excuse to bring about what they wanted all the time, socialized medicine. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. As uh, one of those days that we've had that feeling. Uh, you may know that feeling if you uh, were there the day that President John F. Kennedy died. You might know that feeling if you were around when September 11th happened. I'm get, starting to get the feeling that this coronavirus uh, epidemic, which has now turned into a pandemic according to the World Health Organization, is going to be something that's going to last in our memories for an awful long time. There's a lot of panic going on. I don't know if I can recall a crazier week than I have seen in this last week with regards to healthcare. We've been doing this show for nearly 10 years, and this is without question one of the craziest weeks that I have ever seen. Uh, and I started to feel that way uh, around the middle of the week when some of these sporting events started being canceled and it began to occur to me that the world in, we in which we live in, the freedoms that we are used to having uh, are going to be disrupted uh, because of this global outbreak. So this week we're going to be taking a look at uh, everything that's happening uh, over the last week as far as the economic impact, how this is having an impact on local governments, and we're also talking about how it's impacting sports. Uh, particularly the PGA Tour. If this is your first time watching America's Healthcare Challenge, I appreciate you taking the time to check it out. If you like it, uh, make sure to subscribe to our page. We try and put together videos or other pieces of content around healthcare once uh, a week or so. Uh, so if you'd like to stay in the loop, please consider doing that. Coming up this week, we have Alan Hager uh, is going to be joining us talk about the economic impact. It's time to consult with a specialist, and you don't even need a referral. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. When you look at how the coronavirus has played out over the last couple of weeks, you kind of got two camps. Some people like me, who initially kind of was more of a skeptic and thought that, oh, this is kind of hyped up a little bit and other people who are true, truly on top of things uh, based upon their experience kind of sounded the alarm a little bit more and said, Sean, you know what, this is a bigger thing. And I, I want to bring in our uh, co-host of America's Healthcare Challenge, Alan Hager. It's great to see you. Uh, hey, I see an LSU banner back there. Are you uh, providing a little subtle uh, you know, hints back there? Oh, no. Congratulations oh. on your national championship. Thank Hopefully you. the team's will be able to play, um, you know, this fall. Uh, oh, yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Well, and, uh, you know, it, it's a banner. It's, it's uh, you know, I'm, ex I'm happy that they won. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to talk with you about uh, the crisis that we have in our country and the, the public health challenges that we're going to face. 
Yeah, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule Absolutely. to help provide a public service to everybody. We've been trying to follow this closely. We've been talking, uh, I guess, the past couple of days, almost every hour uh, about these things. You've been right. talking to a lot of people in the know in Nebraska. Uh, the governor just held a press conference. Uh, you mentioned that you talked to Senator Sass a little bit about this issue. Why don't you tell the listeners first a little bit about uh, your background in uh, managing this through through some of your public services, and then we'll kind of get into some of the facts right. going on around this illness, and we'll take a look at this map for the viewers to be able to see kind of how quickly this is spreading. Okay, so uh, for 15 years, I've worked for CHI uh, in healthcare IT uh, at different levels in management and whatnot. Uh, for five years during that time, I uh, service gave me a good insight into public health, what we do uh, in times of crisis and uh, public, national, state, local emergencies. Uh, I was vice chair of the medical uh, board. Uh, we did tabletops. We do uh, live drills. So, for example, when we had the uh, uh, Katrina uh stuff back in 2005 uh, we no 2008 excuse me we uh, took care of a lot of the things that would uh, be needed to be done like centralizing communication and being able to uh, communicate to all the hospitals on how many different patients they were going to receive how critical those patients were uh, what type of stockpiles do we have of specific items in our arsenal? And we would have delivery people bringing, going into those stockpiles to get things uh, to the hospitals that needed things. So uh, as far as response in that regard, uh, I'm excited. I, you know, I think that it's a really good opportunity to see OMERS and our uh, medical community in action. Uh, because we're going to be on the front lines uh, of this. You know, I also sit on an education board and we've been trying to make decisions from our paying our hourly staffers to are we even going to be open and, and a lot of the, what the governor talked about today centered around uh, a lot of those things that, you know, will these buildings be open for community use? Will they be used for students to come in and families to come in will they be uh used for whatnot and so uh you know that's given me a different insight into just the level of communication between all the different agencies across our state one of the things that i've been you know concerned about as we've watched things unfold is uh, how uh, the different levels of government uh, again we're both political junkies I think uh, the viewers know that, right? Um, but the the differences between the federal, the state, and the local governments and, and their response. President just now uh, is is in the midst of uh, declaring a national emergency on this issue. Right. Um, do you think uh, you know the, the, these governments are are prepared enough? Um, how do you see as this issue as a rural versus urban issue? in that uh, maybe cities like Omaha might be more equipped to, to, easy, to better handle something right. like this compared to other counterparts out west, for example. Right, so, so let's break that down a little bit because there's a 
lot of information there and a lot of different things to unpack. So I'll take the last part of it first. And you're absolutely right when it comes to urban versus rural and the differences, not just in uh, levels of readiness. You know, uh, are rural hospitals able to handle the influx of patients that they're going to see uh, in, in, a, in a pandemic like this? Uh, right. Do they have enough respirators and uh, other, you know, gowns and gloves and hand sanitizer and soap and, and other things that we take for granted? Are they going to have the stockpiles needed because we're seeing shortages all over the country in all of those things already? Now, I talked about Omers and being able to deliver out of the stockpile items. I'm fairly confident that we do have a good stockpile, but if this thing goes for a long time, six, eight, 12, 24 weeks, you know, you start running short on those things. And if you start seeing uh, your staff not being able to come in to work or get, get stuck at work and not getting sick and you have a shortage of staff, how is that going to impact the rural community, say, per se, more so than maybe the urban community where, you know, maybe I have 40% of my beds are open, but I don't have enough nurses on one floor. Maybe I can move nurses around. Maybe I can train more nurses. There's more flexibility in that regard, I think, in the urban area. But at the same time, if we don't have the necessary PPE protective personal equipment, it's not going to matter because they're going to get infected and it's going to render, we're going to run into shortages of staff, which we already have, uh, just given the numbers of doctors and nurses versus the numbers that we really need. Uh, so, you know, the local area is fine. State, I think you start to get a little bit more complicated because you got to have legislative uh, impact and legislative uh, things being done. For example, uh, certain boards want to meet because they need to give clearance to their staff to allow for hourly employees to be paid. Well, due to open meetings laws in the state of Nebraska, we can't do that just by a, a video call. We have to meet face to face. Well, if we're in a pandemic, is that the best thing to do? So we're working, we've talked about that with the legislature. I know other agencies and other government bodies have done the same because we don't want those who are at the lower end of the wage scale to be impacted because they're the least they're the least able to, to, to handle being out of work for six or eight weeks. So we can't afford that. So you know, from an economic perspective, that is something that I have been very much on top of uh, since last week when I've started talking with my CEO about what we are doing for uh, the pandemic because I view that it would get worse. I think that uh, the federal government has failed. Uh, I don't want them to fail because they are the experts in pandemic uh, and infectious disease. Uh, 
Dr. Fauci has talked all the time about we don't have enough tests and, you know, telling Congress that we don't have enough tests. And he is the expert on infectious disease in our country. He is the most knowledgeable, most well-respected person in the field. And, and when he talks, we should listen. I wanted to pull up this screen here so okay. the viewers can, can see. Can you see it, Alan? Uh, yes, I can. Just thought we'd kind of react a little bit. I guess you kind of have to imagine the continents, but this would be the United States. This would be Europe, and this would be Asia over Correct. here, South America down here. Yes. When you when you look at this, Alan, um, you know a couple of days ago you you were this is when we were talking. You you were saying we ain't seen nothing yet, and right. then wasn't much longer after that when the I think the catalyst of all of this was Rudy Gobert for the Utah Jazz getting diagnosed, and I mean right. that really launched launched the the dominoes, and. Um, you know, it's just been a domino effect since then. Right. Uh, and uh, and with, with sports and now other, other events and. Right. And you, you wonder if we're living in a, a, an alternate universe some days, or if like, this is a movie, like I said before, that if this is the, uh, are we living in a movie? Right. Well, I would tell you, I think that it, it just shows how interconnected uh, we all are. Uh, across the globe. I think that uh, whether it's the global supply chain that we have that's being impacted, uh, you know, a lot of business is done by travel. You know, we go to, we go to Asia, we go to Europe to sell our wares and to, to make deals uh, with those that have the supply chain and maybe that's a shortcoming of globalism and, and the global the global economy. Because um, when you look at uh, where the most cases are at, with the exception of maybe Wuhan, a lot of it is coastal communities. Uh, a lot of the large impacts uh, are, 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 you know, East Coast, West Coast. Italy is a, uh, island, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a boot, it's a peninsula, so to speak. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, ports there. And, and I think, you know, that it just shows how we as a world are interconnected when you see how the spiral of, of dominoes are you know, it usually is the interior parts of the country that get hit last with these things. And I think you see that playing out with uh, the way the map is going and how everything is moving inland. How, how far along do you think we are with all of this? Are we just in the beginning phases or? I, I, think, I think you look at things and we really, are probably, I would say, three, four weeks into this thing. Um, you know, I think, you know, we weren't quite sure. And again, China taking five weeks to really let the rest of the world know what was going on um, is one thing. I think the fact that some of our global pandemic team that 
resides in some of these countries where we have uh, known infectious disease lay, not being there has contributed as well to uh, a lack of a response from the globe, not just the United States, but from, from other countries. And uh, I, I think that it, again, shows how dependent the world is on the United States and our amazing experts in infectious disease at the CDC uh, and uh, other parts of our government. You know, one of the myths I've heard out there, uh, there's a lot of rumors going on around this. Right. Like, was this potentially a bioweapon? Um, I, w I watched an interview, Joe Rogan, I, I enjoy his podcast sometimes, and he had an authority on about this issue and right he said that this thing is uh mother nature created something that was like with this coronavirus is more uh more well thought out than any bioweapon could have ever been thought out it, it, in that right it's and, beyond what it, the bad guys could have ever even dreamt up and and, and um, I, you know i don't know that it was a bio attack. I mean, I'm, I'm still very skeptical of the conspiracies that are all going around. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, the fact that it's hitting adults mainly, kids can be carriers, but they're not showing symptoms, and they're asymptomatic, and they're, they're carriers, but they're not uh, the ones that are seeing the, the symptoms come out of, um, and that it's only really affecting adults. I can't say that we've seen a illness that's ever been this interesting from a epidemiology perspective. Yeah. Yes, they'll be studying this for a very long time, and yes. it, it, it's something that you know, I was, I'm, we're going to conclude our conversation with uh, talking about health reform 2.0 because. Uh, I, I can't believe, imagine that this is only going to be the last time we're going to face something like this. So right. how do we, as, as we move past this, again, we're just getting started, but as we move past this, how, how can we learn from this and tur tur turn it into something that can somehow be a positive? And how do we introduce this whole rally around the flag concept for right. this issue? and get these politicians to put politics aside and really get down and, and uh, focus on this and right. deal with issues like the fact that how do we spend a sixth of our economy on healthcare and not have enough um, testing kits? Right. So, so I think there's multiple things. First off, let's, let's deal with the politics side of things. It's a generational thing. When you see who's fighting, it's not the young people that are sitting there yelling and screaming, saying, we, we don't want this, but we want this. And so when you look at the political side of it, I, I think you see a real generational uh, thing here where you've got, and it's a lot of baby boomers. I mean, let's be honest, it's a lot of baby boomers that are in these positions of power. They haven't retired. Uh, and... They're hanging on, they're grasping to the last clutches of power, and uh, both sides are fighting 
and, 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 and they're taking it to the nth degree. And when you go back to the 90s and, and fast forward up, you know, you had Clinton versus the Republicans, Bush versus Democrats, Obama versus Republicans, Trump versus Democrats, and they're all the old guys. The old guard are all trying to hang on for power, and, and, and they're fighting amongst each other. Well, it's time to let's move forward with a new generation of leaders that are willing to put party aside, put country first, put their fellow band first, and, and say enough of this shenanigans and we're going to work for the betterment of America. And, and I think that we need to see that at every level of government uh, that we need to say, you know what? We, we're facing a crisis here, folks. We need to come together, put party aside, put country first, put our fellow band first and, and find solutions to these problems, whether it's social security, Medicare, Medicaid, Dude, we're in a situation now where who cares about the other stuff? We got to save humanity here. We need to be supportive of our local businesses. Uh, and, and we also need to say that those hourly employees, whether you're a restaurateur or a bartender or a bar back or a waiter or a waitress or whatever, if you're sick, you're going to get paid let's find solutions and, and become, you know, work together as a community so that these hourly employees at, at the service industries, especially who are going to be impacted the most are taken care of. That's, that's Alan Hager. Thanks so much for joining us. What's your Twitter handle? He's seen on Twitter at real Alan Hager. He is the real Alan Hager. Keeping it real as always. Great to see you. Great to see uh, thanks you. so much for sharing your time. We'll, uh, We'll be checking in with you soon. Great. Thank you, Sean. And just everybody stay safe out there. Wash your hands. And They say every business should have an elevator pitch. Here's ours. We are E.D. Bellis, a consulting company specializing in healthcare reform, helping businesses navigate the new law. For more, go to healthreformexplained.com. America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. In your world, the last uh, couple of weeks, it's kind of been an exciting time. You've got a lot, you've had a lot going on in the last year in general. Uh, congratulations yeah. on just getting married, just getting the new house, you know, yeah. about to start with uh, a new player. Am I right? Yeah. At yeah. Yeah. Tournament, so the players championship. Yeah, yeah, I'm a golf caddy on the PGA Tour, and um, so I was just in this morning in Jacksonville Beach at uh, 
for the, the Players' Championship, which is the biggest tournament that they have on the PJ Tour all year. $15 million purse, you know, uh, all the biggest names are there. And, and I had my first week with uh, Martin Laird starting up, a uh, guy from Scotland, good player. Uh, and so I was really excited to be back out there again. Um, got off to a good start yesterday, shot three under and finished tied for 22nd. You know, the winner and winning player this week gets $2 million, you know, so that caddy's taking home 200 grand and, um, you know, money's part of the deal, as you know, but, uh, you know, it's always fun to be out there caddying and stuff. It was, it was interesting out there yesterday. Um, few jokes from the fans because spectators were still allowed in, um, in regards to this coronavirus, which I guess we haven't even stated yet, this COVID-19 that everybody's talking about right now that, you know, needs to be taken seriously. And, is changing every minute. Um, so, you know, we were out there yesterday and it was kind of more fist bumps and, you know, uh, not as many tap. handshakes. Yeah. I get the elbow thing, the foot save, like whatever you were trying to do, but it was kind of business as normal. I think throughout the week, you know, I had my hand sanitizer. My wife was kind of, you know, imploring me to kind of take some precautions, which was good. And it seemed like the tour had some things set up and they were kind of going on the fly too. Um, everybody was aware um, but it seemed like last week, and even up until yesterday, things were a little bit more like, oh, this isn't that big of a deal, or, you know, we'll just do what we can, or there's some jokes about it and stuff. And I feel like now that all these events are being canceled, um, which I think is the right play, um, I think some of them are very shocking. I think it's hard, you know, as Americans and big sports fans that we're having the things that we love the most you know some people say the month of march is the best month that there is you know yeah. and and we're not even going to get to watch these, these tournaments and the kids aren't going to get to play in them and my golfer's not going to get to play and you know you on and on and on and at first i was like man we're not going to get a tee it up tomorrow like i want to go play and then today i've kind of transitioned to more like okay get my world in order, get my family unit tight and let's take this seriously and move on. But, you know, anyways, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you comment or, or ask some more questions. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I could not have imagined uh, March madness uh, being this mad and especially around right. a pandemic uh, yeah. that has come out. You know, we've talked about this on the show uh, in the previous episodes, just about how, you know, your, your analogy was actually how President Obama kind of threw the ball to get, get the ball rolling with health reform. We've been monitoring that over the last decade. Uh, we're wondering, and we're kind of considering that in this episode is, could this be that, that large that this actually, you know, provokes a health reform 2.0? this coronavirus issue well yeah i i definitely think it could i think you know the immediate concern is going to be to kind of get on top of it as best we can with all the resources we can and then i think after it passes because it will pass um not right. without a lot of uh, of negative struggle and, and lives lost to be frank um but after that there is going to be an opportunity for reflection and reform. And, and I was making that comment, even last week, you know, someone was asking me about it. And I said, well, I think, you know, at that point, I was like, I don't know how big of a deal it is, but I do think it will allow us an opportunity to learn from it going forward. Um, and, and I hope that's the case that, you know, we do contain it. And I know there's a lot of very smart people in very, you know, powerful positions that are 
doing all they can on this. And I think it's important to kind of also point out the fact that even you and I, you know, can do our part. And that's kind of what's needed at this point. Um, but I do think that there's very much so an opportunity to have some reform in, in healthcare going forward on a variety of fronts. You know, I'll give you one that is an example to me right now that I've kind of been a part of recently is, you know, I'm type one diabetic, as you know, and um, I made sure to get an increased supply of my insulin and other meds. And it was right. jumping through a few hoops to do so. You know, I called my insurance company and I said, hey, this thing's hitting and I'm not comfortable with just a month's worth of stuff. I need more. And they kind right. of, they were kind of like, oh yeah, okay. And I was like, well, get it done. And they did. And I had to advocate for myself to do that. But going forward as a diabetic with a life-threatening disease, and I'm not saying I'm any better than the next person, three months supply minimum across the board. Like stop making this, such a economically driven thing and start giving some solutions that people can use in real time that keep us safe. I, I think, you know, mm -hmm. that's my one little example. And I'm sure there's more things to talk about in regards to that with maybe more of a public health side of things. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm, I'm kind of confused a little bit about how we couldn't be prepared with having enough testing kits available mm -hmm. in the first place when you um, look at how much we spend on healthcare, for example. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just keep thinking of, I don't know if you're a fan of the show 24. Did you ever watch any of those yeah. things with Jack Bauer? I think there was sure. a whole season with a, with a pandemic that went down. And, and um, I don't know, you would think that we would kind of be more prepared for, for stuff like this, but I think it opens up the dialogue for, certain things that we need to do as far as streamlining efforts amongst federal to state to local um, governments because I think that's really where a lot of this confusion is is coming with I don't know if you have heard that they um, are canceling uh, public schools I guess for example in Omaha next sure. week um, yeah my, my wife we've seen other sports yeah. yeah March Madness is completely canceled I mean it's just I mean, it's it's almost like we're living through a um, a movie, like mm -hmm. a, a, a movie where like I don't know, like maybe The Rock is the is the the star that they're gonna you know right. save us from this <laughs> pandemic. Be because that, as I'm watching these things play out, it's just like it feels like we're almost in an alternate universe. Yeah, well, it, it feels like that way, and I think the reality of the situation is that we're just starting to get into that universe. Now you go look at a place like China, who's been dealing with this for the last month and, and has right. finally started to bend the curve as you're starting to hear that now. And you, but you go look at a place like Italy, which I'm not terribly familiar with, but it sounds like it's a worst case scenario going on over there right now. And I think that's what finally some of the people in the US have started to wise up to say, hey, we need to do our best to get out in front of this um, but I think in, in terms of the public perception, what I'm seeing, and, and I feel like I have a pretty good barometer on these things, being someone that's traveled around the country, around the world for the last 15, 20 years, has a pretty good read on people. And, you know, it seems like it's kind of business as usual still. And unfortunately about this coronavirus is, is that it requires us to not go on business as usual. 
And that's a tough thing for people to stomach. And it's a tough thing for people to prepare for. And we're not even talking about the economic side of things. You know, I, I saw Kevin Love, um, the, the NBA player, um, is giving $100,000 to the arena for the, uh, of the home team he plays at to go to the workers that work there because people aren't going right. to be out of work. There's going to be an economic trickle down. Obviously we've seen what's going on in the stock markets and stuff. And that is of concern to a lot of people too, myself included, but it's probably not as big of a concern as, you know, the health side of things. Right. Uh, what do you think about the, the, the thirst for sports when it ever, it does come back <laughs> Yeah. Know, for the golf enthusiast. That's when, you know, I mean, think about the people that plan their trips for uh, the Players' Championship, for example, yeah. the Masters. Yeah, the you Masters. Know, can you take us into what, what was going on like behind the scenes when the news broke? Who told you about sure. you know, the news? Did, did you find out on, on Twitter? Or did yeah. somebody tell you? Kind of what, was, what yeah. were your colleagues saying? What was the general vibe? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the week was pretty normal by all accounts other than the extra precautions on – hand sanitizing and then there was a little less crowds than normal yesterday and at some point before we teed off we got word that um that starting today there was going to be no crowds allowed um and going forward through the Valero Texas Open which is like a month out and that no crowds and that this tournament that's in uh Dominican Republic was canceled or postponed you know and so that was like right before we teed off so there was guys already on the course playing and they get off the course and they get that news well we got it before we teed off so now all of a sudden we know all right there's things going on you know that was like Creighton was playing in the middle of a basketball game yesterday they stopped it at halftime like people were going on the fly with this stuff and so I said to somebody another caddy in our group when I got off when we were out on the course I said you know this might be completely different when we get done with the round and um, sure enough, we were on like the seventh hole and somebody in the crowd had told one of the caddies like, yeah, March Madness is canceled. And it's like, are you serious? You know? And, and so, yeah, at, at that point, you know, when we got done, they told us what we knew before we teed off. Um, and I was comfortable with coming back today to play and to caddy and be in that environment. I really was. Um, it, we were kind of preparing ourselves for no fans and, and that was going to be kind of different. Um, it's been done before. Um, I think what happened in terms of the golf side of things is we kind of, for a moment there were the only ones proceeding on business as usual. Um, and I think what caught up to them is them like, Hey, this, this is kind of, it became a bit of a bad look. Um, and then mm. secondly, I think it became more of a, more so I think it became a health risk. I think certain couple players withdrew. I think, uh, some of the European guys seem to be a little bit more tuned in to the risks. I think Rory McIlroy called for like, Hey, we should be testing everyone now, the players, the caddies, you know, like, let's figure this out yeah. because, you know, people were all over from all over the world and, and you know, it's, I don't have any symptoms of it right now. I, I don't. You know, just like Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert in the NBA, like, you know, this thing doesn't care who you are or what you're, you know, what right. you do. And and that's kind of a scary thing. So I think I got over it pretty quickly in terms of like, oh, man, we're not going to get a play now for this week or the next month. And now I'm kind of into this mode of like, hey, let's 
figure out what's best. I think in terms of for sports going forward, you know, like I said earlier, we're going to get through this and sports is going to come back and it's going to kind of gradually get reintroduced. I'm, I'm sure. Um, and I don't know what it's going to be like when it comes back. My, my imagination, I'm imagining that it's going to be, people are going to be pretty hyped up, you know, because they're going to be excited to be back in doing yeah. something normal. And, uh, but you know, to what degree, you know, that's received, we don't know because we don't know what it's going to look like in the end. And we don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow, let alone next week or next month. You know, I think all these leagues are doing the right thing to postpone things. And, and they're saying like, Hey, we're not going to do this for right now. Um, and stay tuned, you know, go take care of yourself. So. Right. Right. Wow. Well said. What a, what a crazy turn of events the last 48 mm-hmm. hours. I mean, I was trying to watch, I guess I like to watch sports. So I, last yeah. night just kind of <laughs> turned on ESPN right. or trying to catch a basketball game or NBA game. And it was nothing. Yeah. It was just, they're running reruns of, you know, the content they're putting out in the morning on the network. It's, yeah. It, it really seen, is going to be interesting over the next couple months. It is. I've seen some calls on Twitter from some people I follow because, you know, I'm in the sports world a lot too. Uh, particularly in the March Madness, um, Dirk Chatlin from the Omaha World Herald was saying, hey, let's rerun some of the best games in tournament history. Give us something. Right. You know, and I thought right. that was an interesting idea. I know there's some calls to kind of fill that that void uh, with some, some form of sports. And I think that is, like we had said, is one of the crushing things about this is, is this is a way of life. This sports is huge for us, and, and we're not yeah. getting to enjoy it right now. Yeah, and then, you know, like you said, the Creighton game canceled at halftime. These athletes that work so hard ha- might, having their, might have their season just um, – Yeah you know not almost or essentially have an asterisk i guess is the way you could say sure it. yeah so there's not gonna, gonna be a national pretty much champion. all of these seasons yeah yeah exactly yeah. well john thanks so much for joining us where can uh the viewers ca- uh find out more you're on twitter pretty active and yeah and I understand. Yeah. yeah they get their golf uh their golf fix uh, at rat house for sure um on twitter r-a-t-h-o-u-z and um yeah i think let's follow this going forward, Sean. I mean, I, I think it's important that people do take this seriously and, 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 and make preparations. And, you know, I talked to my brother about it a little bit and he said, you know, I think game plan, but also don't um, lose your head on this. I think the panic is possible, but if people can kind of keep a clear head on this and take care of their bodies, you know, get some exercise, stretch your body, but just, I think, pause some things and, 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 and think about what you're doing and who you're hanging around with. Even if it's your own family going forward, I, I think we need to take the advice uh, to heart here. And, and hopefully, you know, in the next couple of weeks or months, we're going to be uh, in a better spot. No doubt. Well said, John. Always great to see you and, and hear from you. I hope you get home safe. You're almost there, it looks like. So uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be talking to you soon. Yeah. Thanks, John.